Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 333 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is the founder of Keep It Human, a digital innovation consultancy. She has 25 years of experience working digital transformation and digital product management for beloved brands like Bloomingdale's, Real Simple and the New York Philharmonic. She loves helping teams get unstuck by finding the right digital processes to build bridges between the technology side and human side so that they can work together. She uses a human-focused approach that helps companies both connect with their customers and prioritise their own people. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Maura Charles. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So Maura, can you maybe give us a bit of an understanding of how Keep It Human came about? Sure. Um, So I was really you know, deep into product leadership roles in um, in a few different companies over the years. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic was, was in a product leadership role in a pharmaceutical company and had really started to think about what the things were that I loved about work, about my work. And for me, that was, as you, as you explained in the intro, really the human side of technology and the teams and how those teams interact. Yeah. And so I, when I decided to, um, to go out on my own, I really spent some thoughtful time exploring what it was that I really loved about what I do. And that's, that's kind of where I landed. And so essentially, I started to form the company around this idea that I would use product, you know, product consulting as, as the, you know, the area that I'm in, the area of focus that I'm in, but that the specialty was really about the teams and the people and helping people with their underlying problems. And so um, it's really, it just came out of a passion for, for relationships and human skills and using those to help technology teams do better work and have better outcomes. Right. Okay. And you've obviously got quite a few sort of well-known names that you've you've had as clients. So how do they find or how do they feel that the consultancy works for them? What's what what benefits do they get? Sure. So I um the the names of the companies that were in my bio are actually companies where I was full-time in-house at one time or another. Um but I do continue to work mostly with Fortune 500 companies and I find them and they find me in a few different ways. Um I have a pretty uh, solid network and I uh, sometimes will find my engagements through that. Um, but then also it's just in there. I'm an engagement right now where I connected initially with the folks that were doing the hiring on LinkedIn. I had been following somebody that I was interested in um, and to see what she was doing in product consulting and in a, in a little bit of, you know, just kind of research uh, phases of my business last year. And when she was looking for product coaches, I reached out to her and it turned into a you know, pretty significant engagement over a long period of time. And so it's, it's a mix. It's definitely a mix. Um, but a lot of it is really taking that 
kind of product management approach to consulting, which is to find out what people's, what their challenges are, what they're struggling with, and to see if there's an opportunity for me to help them. And so that's actually how I approach most of even, you know, pitching somebody or suggesting to somebody that they might want to work with somebody like me. Um, And often that's, that's how it comes about. Good. Okay, great. Thank you for that. So Maura, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yeah, I don't know if it's something that folks aren't aware of, but um, I think for me, my one of the things that has contributed the most to my growth over time is a real focus on learning something new. And when when managers have in past jobs have asked me, well, what's important to you? Like, what do you know? What do I need to know about working with you? It's that I always want to be learning and I always want to be um, finding out new things. And what I've learned from from that and from having that approach and a growth mindset to my work is that um, you will you will challenge your own assumptions and learn all kinds of new pathways. Right? Like they talk. Uh, people talk a lot about a career path and how you find yourself on a career path and sometimes people have a preconceived notion of what your path might be. But if you go into everything with an open mind and a, an approach of just learning what's possible, I think that in addition to learning new skills, you'll learn about new possibilities and new avenues. Um, and when I started my career, the commercial internet was brand new and the work that I started to do right away was all in, in internet technology and, and, and um, consumer experiences. So websites and apps and things like that. And none of that had existed. And so a lot of it was, you know, forging my own path um, alongside a lot of my peers who were doing the same thing. And so having to learn and having to, having to, you know, accept that you just didn't have the answers all the time. Um, what became kind of a tenet of my career. Right. Do you feel that's a sort of mindset thing as well? So obviously that was sort of almost caused by the fact that you had to learn, but do you feel now that you have that mindset that enables you to continue to learn? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that growth mindset is really where that, where that comes from. And that, that willingness and openness to, to continuing to learn. And again, to not having the answers, I think particularly in it and in technology, People often feel like they have to have the answers and um, the, the modern kind of approach to technology work is, is more of an inquiry into what's possible or hypotheses about what might work um, and experimentation. And so um, <clears throat> I think it all plays into that, right? Whereas um, you're not always going to have the answers laid out for you. It's not a script. There's not a right way to do everything all the time. And so- no. So keeping that mind, that open mind and that mindset. And I think in general, you know, in addition to skills, I think having an openness to learning about your own um, abilities from a emotional intelligence and kind of human skills approach is, is also someplace, something that I think most folks do not put emphasis on, but that is really good for your career. It is. Absolutely. Okay. Maura, can you tell us about your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? Sure. When I was a young woman working in technology, I think, uh, you know, I didn't always, I came in with a lot of confidence and a lot of ideas about what could be, but I don't think I had any um, frame of reference for what could go wrong. (laughs) And so 
um, I worked really hard and thought, well, if you just work really hard, you'll, you know, you'll advance. And I didn't always know how to stand up for myself in the face of bias and harassment. And so early on, I had some issues in one of my jobs and it didn't go it didn't go the way that if I, if, you know, if I were to relive it, how I would approach that today. And so I think some of that is just about inexperience. And a lot of it is about being a woman in technology, which I've talked to many, many women in, in, in different IT industries and tech industries, and many of them have struggled um, with similar and sometimes much worse situations. And so I think the lesson I learned from that is to find peers and leaders who will um, have your back and that it's not about like not trusting folks. It's about trying to figure out what um, what's inside of you and what drives you and what's important to you and what you're willing to take and what you're not. And so right. there's, there's so many life lessons in there. It's not just it and, and tech lessons, but I think that that's, that's really what came out of that for me is that it didn't end the way I expected. And um I think I had to learn a lot of, I had to do a lot of growing up from that. And I think when you're early in your career, I talk to a lot of young women, I mentor a lot of young women now who go through the same things. And it's, you know, it's been 25 years and I'm a little disappointed in the industry and in the world that they're still struggling with, with these challenges. And I think particularly implicit bias, it's not always overt. Um, and so you know, I just think we all have to help each other. And so coming out on the other side of that, I think what I've learned from that is that I need to help the, uh, you know, help other women as much as I can, whether it's just sharing my own stories, um, which is why I'm, I think, sharing this today, or if it's giving them advice or giving them other kinds of support they might need as they're going through their own careers. Yes, absolutely. So so could you maybe give us an example of the sort of things that you you would give advice about to somebody, a young woman entering into this particular industry? Um, I think there's a few things. One is knowing, so I kind of implied it with knowing what you're willing and not willing to, to do or put up with. I mean, boundaries is the, is the word you'll hear. Um, I think knowing your boundaries and knowing your kind of threshold for taking whatever it is that's coming your way. Right. Um, I think, yeah. If nothing else, the last two years have taught us that life is short and that things don't have to be the way they've always been. And I think that that's an opportunity for people in general, but also for for women in particular to stand up and say, you know what, this isn't working for me. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted my career to be, or this isn't what I wanted my life to be. And so maybe for somebody like me, it's deciding that I don't want to work full-time corporate roles anymore. And I want to spend some time with my daughter. I have a six-year-old daughter and um, was getting home at, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and not seeing her even before bedtime sometimes. And now I've created a career and a, and a life where I get to, you know, pick her up from the bus stop and take her out to dinner or the ice cream shop. <laughs> yes, that sounds like much more fun. It is. It is <laughs> right. Me too. Yeah. I mean, the other thing you mentioned earlier as well, um, and I think this is important, and, and I think particularly for, for young women in this particular industry, is the the need for that support network. And the earlier you can develop that, the, the, the easier it is to be able to sort of have that 
or have those individuals that you can go to talk to about things that, that may happen and give you the support that you need to deal with those situations. Yes, there are so many of those groups now. And I mean, when I was starting out, there were a few, but they certainly weren't as well formed. And I think didn't have as many leaders to look up to. And luckily, now we're in a position where we we do have lots of really amazing female leaders. And even back in, gosh, I was I was part of a, an organization that I don't think exists anymore called Web Girls, G-R-R-L-S. And um, this was, you know, this was again, 25 years ago. And so we we were at the forefront of some of what was, what was these communities, these, um, these communities that were building themselves up to try to support other women, but we didn't even know what we were up against yet. And now there are so many wonderful niche organizations and bigger, broader ones that can really help women in lots of different ways. And so I've I've seen even at universities, um, women creating their own communities so that they feel empowered and and have that support from day one. So I would just say, seek those out, Um, ask around if you're not sure what the good ones are for your particular function or, or area that you're in, just keep asking because somebody will know. Somebody will know and somebody will connect you to the people who are kind of your, become your people. I've got a lot of those people now, and I'm so grateful. Um, they've really helped me to kind of stretch beyond what I thought was possible and to really take care of myself, too. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Um, maybe we'll move on to a slightly brighter, more positive side of things. Sure. So, Maura, could you tell us about your career highlight? Sure. I um, I think one of the things that I'm most proud of was a moment that could have um, could have been really, you know, could have gone either way. There was I was working at a company called Time Inc., which you may be familiar with. It's um, it was spun off from Time Warner and had been uh, just really the magazine division and their digital properties. And so I had been working at Real Simple. And within Time Inc. and had gotten to a point where I was a a director of product, executive director of product over a number of their lifestyle brands. And so this would be brands like Food and Wine, Real Simple, My Recipes, a bunch of others. And although I was really focused on those specific brands, there came a time when the company was looking to get acquired. And in order to get positioned, for that to happen, there were a number of technological things that needed to line up so that the acquiring companies could feel confident that we were able to do certain, you know, to be to 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 put them in a good position when they acquired the company. And so we started up front-end consolidation projects. So imagine you have 21, I think it was 21 different magazine websites. And each of those, so you're essentially dealing with 21 different brands and 21 different product teams. And each of those brands has multiple channels. So they've got websites, they've got apps, they've got um, special, you know, special things like Sports Illustrated was one of our brands, and they have multiple websites and they have apps and um, and other kinds of uh, digital tools and underlying um, systems and things like that. Not to mention all the, you know, the video capabilities and all the dams and all the data. And so we were working on a project to get all of these brands on the same front end platform. We were on a, several different uh, content management systems, but the goal was really to get from a revenue standpoint, the goal was to get all of the, these different properties 
onto the same front end system so that we could have a shared ad system, right? So imagine you want to buy an ad on a, one website instead of buying it 21 different times on 21 different websites, or maybe you only want to buy an audience. It's very difficult to do that if the sites don't all have the same front end and if they don't all yeah. have the same kind of like slots, they would call them ad slots on their different um, pages. So if you just wanted to buy homepage placements on 10 of these sites, or you wanted to buy a specific audience's eyeballs for, for your campaign as an advertiser, you couldn't do that easily because we didn't have the same specs even, the, the ads were all different sizes, the capabilities were different from site to site. So the goal was to really get all of these different properties onto the, the same platform with the same capabilities. And so that project kicked off. And then shortly after the uh, woman who had been leading, leading product for it, the vice president left the company. And there was a moment of kind of scattering and trying to figure out, well, who's doing what and, you know, what needs to happen and lots of cooks, but nobody really taking leadership. And for me, that became a moment of realization that somebody needed to step up and take ownership. And I think it was a big career changing moment for me, both from a literal, you know, experience standpoint, but also just from a mindset, because I had a moment where I was asked, actually, the, part of how this came about was that my manager at the time came to me and said, we need your, your sites are going to be first. <laughs> You're going to be, we're going to roll them out kind of iteratively, but we're going to start with your brands. And I just remember having this moment where I, I was fighting it internally and I was fighting it externally. And then finally I said, do I, is this, does this really need to happen? Like from a business standpoint, is this something that really needs to happen? And they said, yes, yeah, this has, this has to happen. And I realized that that was like a moment for me to decide if I was all in or not. And I was. And so I yep. ended up taking the whole project on in a way and starting to marshal the forces and to figure out, okay, well, we don't have the right meetings. We don't have the right meeting cadences. We don't even have all the right people. And so starting to help all of that align so that the teams could get together and really build something that we were all proud of. Um, and so that was kind of a summertime project. And um, and I think it was about three months we replatformed for the first four sites and then the rest of them came within a few months after. And then um, then the company was acquired shortly after that. So it was, you know, there was a means to an end. It wasn't something that a lot of us wanted to do because from a brand standpoint and from an ownership standpoint, you you kind of get used to being a unique a unique brand and having your own style and, and having your own approach to how you do advertising. But the company and the business needs in this case were really overriding what the individual sites needs were. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's a great story and great, great to hear that from you. Fantastic. Um, so Mara, can you maybe tell me or tell us what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? I think when I started out, the thing that was so interesting to me was that, again, as I mentioned earlier, everything was kind of uncharted and there was no there was no plan. Um, and so there was a lot of possibility. And I think I'm still seeing that again now. I think we're at a, a amazingly interesting time in technology. Um, so much change, so many people, companies trying new things, um, lots of folks trying to get into technology. It feels a little bit like a, a repeat of maybe uh, 1990, what do we say, like 1999, maybe 2000. So in some, <laughs> in some ways, that's a little scary. Um, you know, I, I hate to think that we're building another bubble, but 
you know, it's, it's quite obvious that innovation and technology are the future of our, our business world and our, our personal worlds. Um, and so I think that's what's so exciting about it is that it's not yeah. just, it's not something that people can ignore anymore. It's part of our daily lives. And there's so much opportunity in that. Um, and I think, you know, just talking to other people, like when I, when I started in this business, I was, you know, we were like a, one of, we were like an elite crew and there were, <laughs> there weren't that many of us. And now it feels like I, there's just so many wonderful things happening in so many companies. And um, now I meet people all the time who work in technology in various different ways and in IT. And so I think that that change and that shift from a minority of people building products for, you know, for a few people to to this world where we're building for everybody. I think that's what's the most exciting about it. Exactly. Very good. OK, we're going to move into the reveal round now we're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Mm. Yes, let's go. Okay. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I think the fact that it was new and uncharted, as I mentioned, but also um, it was a, the combination of um, experiences and visual design um, and and storytelling. And a lot of my career has been spent in media. And I think the storytelling aspect of it is something that was really appealing to me. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, I think celebrating your wins. Uh, taking taking time to reflect on what's gone well is something that yep. people tend to forget about. They do. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Keep your head down. People who say, like, keep your head down, just do your work. <laughs> that rarely works out. Indeed, yes. Um, if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would stay big. I've um, I've said this a number of times in, to, in various capacities, but really I think as a woman in particular, I would try to stay big and keep my big ideas and not let things scare me into, into, you know, into a particular path. I just would want to, if I could go back, I would definitely do something really big and splashy. Okay. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? I'm fascinated about the psychology of leadership. I talked a little bit about emotional intelligence earlier. And so I've yep. been doing a lot of, um, taking a lot of online classes and, and re doing lots of reading about that. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Emotional intelligence, without a doubt. The ability to uh, relate to others and to understand my own motivations and, and how I think and how I work. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? Building a network of people, not just like-minded people, not people who will kind of keep me in an echo chamber, but people who will help me um, in by connecting me with a variety of different fields. I really enjoy kind of working in different industries for that same reason. But I think talking to other people and sharing their stories and my story is what keeps me energized. Good. Okay. And I like asking this final one. So what do you do in your spare time away from technology? 
probably too many things. Um, I, <laughs> I spend a lot of, now I spend a lot of time with my family. Um, I live on the suburbs of New York and um, we've got lots of beautiful parks and land out here and water. And so we spend, you know, spend as much time as we can really uh, getting out of the house. Um, I do yoga in my spare time and that's kind of keeps me balanced. And I read lots of fiction, also some nonfiction, but I, I try to, to not always do, you know, not always be reading about things that are related to my work. Um, and then during the pandemic, I started to um, get into art. I hadn't really done any art since probably school, <laughs> in grade school. Yeah. And so I thought <laughs> that would be a fun thing to take on. And so I've been doing lots of drawing and painting. Um, and then just on the side, I have been pursuing a master's in writing, in nonfiction writing. So I'm doing a lot of writing as well. Wow. Okay. And you and you refer to that as on the side? That is on the side. It's like my side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Um, Maura, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Yes. Don't take everything you see or hear at face value. We all have blind spots and you need to find yours, but also question things and, and try to understand why decisions are being made or why something's happening. I think a lot of people I mentor and coach will see something happen and not think about the underlying reasons and they'll just react. Um, and maybe this is part of my yoga training, but I've learned that it's really important to take a step and take a little breath and think about what's happening and what you might not be seeing and yeah. what other kind of, you know, impacts there might be in the background or particularly when it comes to people. I mean, that's partially why I'm focused on this people side of, of, of IT is that you really, you know, we're wild cards, human beings are wild cards and you don't ever really know everything about somebody or somebody's experience or even at, at a company, what's really going on underneath. Good. Okay. Um, and more, can you tell us how we can find out more about you? Yes. Um, I have a website called, it's for Keep It Human. So it's keepithuman.consulting, which I thought was a fun domain to get. Um, on LinkedIn, you can find me at Maura Charles. So M-A-U-R-A-C-H-A-R-L-E-S. And on Instagram, mauracharles.keepithuman. So it's all combinations of the same thing, but... Um, I do lots of writing on Medium and in other places, and you can find it all in those three places. Great. Maura, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. This has been lots of fun. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.